Hey, I'm Marina. And I'm Emily. And I've seen everything in the Sex and the City empire 10,000 times. And I'm starting fresh. So I'll be woman-splaining the show. And I'm along for the ride. But there's a twist. We are starting with and just like that and working our way back to the beginning. So in other words, we're watching it backwards and in high heels. This is City and the Sex. Welcome back, everybody, to the pod. Woo! We're back. Episode three. Episode three. Out of ten? Ten. 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 All right. There could be an eye on the prize here. Yeah. There could be another documentary, though. People, there are whisperings. There are whisperings. Are there actually, is there discourse here about possible documentaries for this show? What whispers are you hearing? Um, the whispers are the two podcasts I listen to um, because no one else will watch this show with me. And that's why I have forced you to watch this television show uh, at proverbial gunpoint. <laughs> <laughs> right. That is true. That is true. Our friendship is on the line. You did make that really specific in the agreement that if I don't agree to this, you you will cut me off. So, um, yes. Yeah. I said, I'm going to cord cut you out of my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but that, that is a good basis for a podcast, I think, is like uh, tension and high stakes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Stakes are high. Uh, I did want to throw in a little note before we really get into the nitty gritty, which is that I'm giving, I'm giving slight Popeye today. Um, I'm a post-nasal drip girly. Any other post-nasal drip girlies out there? Am I right, ladies? <laughs> Am I right, ladies? Raise your hands. <laughs> um, yeah, wait, I raise- did. I apologize for calling you Jurassic Park earlier. That was mean. Yeah, she did say that after I had a torrential waterfall of coughing. So it's been great. Um, it's it's even worse, as, as I was describing, but I'll, I'll let the viewer know. Um, I love that it's the viewer. Anyway. <laughs> We're from a visual medium. Where this is a visual medium. Um, to let the viewer in, uh, my... My lungs are not full of mucus, so I'm not like coughing like, oh, I have a cough. It's just like my throat is targeted. So when you're drawing the diagram at home, listeners. It's like the necky part, Mm-mm, not the chesty part or the nosy part. Mm-mm. So that's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's get into episode three, also called chapter three. Ooh. Oh, so I didn't pay attention to the episode names before. So I actually did have the thought when this started where I was like, chapter three. I thought they called them all chapters. <laughs> the where I saw chapter three, I was like, oh, so pretentious. That's so dumb. And I like made a note of it. And then when we got to episode four, I was like, oh, no, that's not. That's a th- okay. I was just being mean for no reason. You're right. I never processed why this episode was called chapter three. And then on second viewing, when I realized she was reading chapter three, I was like, wow, I really was not paying attention on that first <laughs> pass. <laughs> I was really slugging through the show on that first pass. Um, it's hard, man. There's a lot that's coming at you. It's hard. It's rough. What was your like overall one word with this episode? Um, all right. Uh, inoffensive. Inoffensive. I, I was okay. like, it's like it's even war- a warmer word, a friendlier word than I would say, like tolerable. It's like this episode did not piss me off. This episode did not. I, I felt like the other ones were actively hostile, which is, I think, something I had said. Where I feel like I'm like at battle with this show. This didn't really feel like that for me. I was like, this is there is a narrative here that I'm following. This is an episode of television. Yeah, I would say that this episode was like, hmm. I was going to say like no impact, which I think is a stretch. But when I say no impact, I mean, exactly. When the episode ended, I kind of was like, oh, that was underwhelming. And I think that they were good moments. I don't think it's like a bad episode. But to your point, yeah, there's there's nothing blatant in episode three where I was like, I kept waiting for like the like Jason mask to come out of the closet right. on some <laughs> horrific something or other. And more or less, it was all kind of tame. Um, although. I do think that there's a lot in this episode that's a little slapdash. That's the other word I would use. But I use that word for every episode. So let's get into it. Chapter three. So let's start as we always do with Carrie's plotline. Because 
it's really interesting. I'll just say overall, I feel Carrie's very much a side character in this first half of the season and then like becomes a main character again in the second half. But like that was also my other note from this episode in particular, like Carrie's side character. (laughs) Who is she? Yeah, I agree. Honestly, I, you know, it's interesting. I actually came into this. I don't know a lot about her, honestly, aside from I think she's, I don't know if controversial is the right word. But I think people have strong opinions about her. Like that that's sort of the the take that I've seen. So I came in a little bit ready to be, you know, sort of shocked or wowed by this person and have a very strong opinion. And we're on episode three and I was like, I did have that that thought of I actually don't have an opinion yet of this. She hasn't really done anything, honestly, good or bad, to capture my attention. And I think you've kind of nailed it, is that she's she's kind of not really there. Directly. Which is fascinating for the person who really coined not really coined because she didn't come up with this phrase, but but kind of cemented in the Oxford Dictionary the example of like main character energy. Yes, 100%. And like, I don't feel, again, I feel that that creeps back in the second half. Um, but in this first half, it's it's really wild to me how much every episode just feels like a collage mood board of just things adult women do. And yeah. it doesn't really feel cemented in a way that feels tangible to me. Yeah, that's a good summary of the show so far is things older women do. So getting into Carrie's plot line, um, Carrie bumps into her neighbor, Lisette, who is a young 20-somethings jewelry designer um, and very much a, a, a reflection of Carrie in, in the modern age. In, in the postmodern age, if you will. Okay. And um, they bump into each other. Beforehand? Like this is someone that we actually know? Lisette is introduced in season one of And Just Like That. Okay. okay. So um, do I remember anything about her introduction? Absolutely not. Okay. Okay, good. That's my second question. Um, I just kind of like know who Lisette is and she's there. As I say before, every single performance we talk about in this show, I have nothing against this actress this actress is giving 110%. Sure. This actress could easily be on the Carrie Diaries. Like, you know what I mean? N- no tea, no shade to this actress. But uh, they just kind of throw her in there sometimes. That seems to be her characters. Like, oh, we need Carrie to have a young friend. It's Lisette. Put her in the scene. Got it. Yes. Okay. That I There is kind of a theme of people who... And we can talk about it as they come up. But people who I am constantly surprised to find they are friends with Carrie. Yeah, this is one of them where you're kind of like, I get that they're neighbors and I guess Carrie sees herself in her. I do think that this episode, and we'll get to it, but does set up a better relationship for them than they've ever had in the show. So I will give the show that credit. But anyway, Lisette is preparing for her Bulgari jewelry show in Bryant Park. And uh, Carrie says that she's going to go read the audiobook to her uh, latest book, Loved and Lost, which is, of course, about the passing of Mr. Big. And I was really shocked, first viewing and the second viewing, that Carrie says she's embarrassed to read her audiobook when one would have assumed she would have always read her audiobooks. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's it, it really, there's something kind of confusing about the, the scenes that where we see her in the booth doing the, the audio recording where she seems very timid and kind of like mousy and shy and just overwhelmed by this big, scary studio and project. And I'm just getting tossed around and I'm so delicate and small. And it's like, she's, she's a podcast host. Right. And she's like been a writer and I don't know. I just like, I I'm getting, I'm having a hard time like figuring out who she is as a character. Do you know what I mean? Would, would you have like classified Carrie as kind of big and confident or am I just maybe putting that on her because of like the legacy of the show you know what I mean where I know that she's the main character so I've always assumed that she was like this big go-getter and I'm just I'm surprised she's really not at all what I thought she was going to be like I feel like it's kind of what we got to last episode where you were like why doesn't she just become a fashion influencer and it's it's a little bit part of the like legacy of the show kind of that makes you think like oh Carrie's this like bigger than life thing when she's always been kind of like, you know, I wouldn't say like shy, but like, mm, it's not that she's a performer. 
You know what I mean? It's not that she's a, a natural born performer. It's like her quality and strength has been her writing. I just think it's like, it's a weird me- mental game of like, this woman has narrated all the episodes that we've seen. And obviously that's like a non-diegetic thing, right? Like That's like a thing for us as the viewer to take in. That's not like really happening. But because we've always heard her columns in her voice, it didn't strike me that she would hire an actor to read her books, especially because memoirs. I don't know anyone who's ever farmed out a memoir to an actor and she's only ever written memoirs. It's not like she's written fictional work. It's always Mm -hmm. been sex stories of her own life. So it was, it was, I get why they did it. Um, Although I feel you could have just had her be like, oh yeah, I'm doing the audio recording for my book. Like, womp, womp. Like, I just want to get it over with. And then like realize that it's much harder. I don't understand this like frame of like, why couldn't they get an actor? It goes back to the usual complicated scaffolding this show does to set up their premises, Mm, mm -hmm, which is like, mm -hmm. you could easily have Carrie just think the book's going to be easy to read. And then get to to be hard and turns out to be hard. And that thematically would make sense because a lot of the, her talking in this episode about the grief is like, I thought I was done. Right. So it's like, yeah, I I could totally see that. Um, I thought this would be easy. And then it turns out that it's not. And overall, I really like this plot for her. Uh, You know, she, she tries recording the book the first time. Um, There's this very awkward scene that I did not catch on first viewing where they make fun of the audio tech for having BO armpits there's a lot of bits like this where I'm like, why? Yeah, I it's things like that where I I still haven't really figured out the humor of this show. I also, I haven't seen enough yet, but I felt like the humor of each episode that I've seen has been very different from each other. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. I haven't really figured out my sense of like, this is a typical and just like that joke or a typical Sex in the City joke, obviously, which I haven't seen yet. But it's like, I haven't figured out what the typical like voice is in the same way where if like if someone does a certain bit or a reference or something I can be like oh that's totally like a scene out of succession right like I can see a a video of someone doing a succession bit um and be like oh yeah he's got this characters down they're making the same jokes I got I don't know what that is within just like that because sometimes you'll have bits like this where it's just like let's just make fun of a person and then like (laughs) isn't that funny you know what I mean it's yeah not necessarily that I'm saying all the episodes of this meme, but it was just sort of like, okay, this is an extended sequence, I think, with her and this other person like laughing at the audio person. But yeah, it's very long and it's like not even just like a one quick time joke. It's like a whole like setup and punchline and continued and heightening. And you're just like, why? I totally agree with your point though, that it's like, yeah, if I had to write an episode of and just like that i mean i think i could do it yeah, <laughs> not to toot my own horn I but mean, i think now that i've rewatched it too many times yeah. but i will say it is hard it's like yeah what is an and just like that joke like i don't i don't even know how to really describe uh what it is and you could argue like well every episode's written by a different writer but like a lot of shows the episodes are written by different writers yeah. and also all the episodes are screened through Jesus Christ himself, Michael Patrick King. So right. it it does have somebody who's trying to make things more codified at the end of the day, but. Right. It should have a clear voice, you know, in the way that I can, I can watch any episode of Buffy and I can't exactly pin, oh yeah, this is Marty Noxon or yeah, this is, it's what it's like, it's all Joss. You know what I mean? I can right. see there's Joss Whedon. I don't really, I haven't figured out who Matrick, Mike, Matrick. Matrick. Um, you're never going to get his name right. You uh, should just call him Matrick because that is what you call him every time. <laughs> Yeah, no, you know what I mean. It's fine. It just makes me sound even more. That's a good thing for me to do to make me sound even more ignorant about <laughs> the show and more closely. Matrick, what's his face? And you're like, Matrick, yes, what's his face? That's like how your mom would, not your mom's, but like a mom would, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're like, when she's like, you know, the woman who does the songs. And you're like, uh, and she's like, Swifty T. And you're like, Taylor Swift. And she's like, yeah. oh, yeah. Like, that's what that feels like. <laughs> Swifty T is a good guess, though. Right on, Mom. But anyway, so Carrie's recording her book. I actually think these scenes of Carrie trying to record this chapter are, are very heartbreaking. I think they're very touching. And like, I, I, I actually really, they really resonated with me even a second time. Mm-hmm. 
I even love the way that they smush the words on the page, which is like very real when you're trying to hold back tears, but you have to read something. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a very cool effect that they put in there. Yeah, absolutely. I felt it. I felt her, um, I felt the holding back tears thing and the, the sort of fade away of the studio is a really nice little moment. So after she does the recording and she kind of beefs it, she bumps into a original show kind of guest character, Bitsy Von Muffling, who's getting her her name. Her name is Bitsy Von Muffling. Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's incredible. It sounds like a nursery rhyme. I think Bitsy is one of those names that should make a like Gen Z comeback. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a grandma's name, but it's also, it fucks. Yeah. It, it should be the new, when we moved on from girly, like yes. Bitsy can be a thing. Bitsy. We're, we're going to make that happen. Let's get that. Let's get that trending. All right. Let's put our, our cultural influence to the test. <laughs> to the test. <laughs> um, so she bumps into Bitsy Von Muffling, who I feel like every scene with Bitsy, every scene with Bitsy in general is her just like talking way too much. Um, so I love Is how that, like, like her thing. I think that's kind of her thing. She's just okay. kind of like obnoxious, you know, and she just talks too much and she's a little bit of an overshare, which is why like in the first 30 seconds of meeting her, we learn she had a facelift, um, but she still has to get her mustache waxed, which, you know, that'll be me. So um, I relatable, relatable okay. bitsy. <laughs> that one was for us. I also cannot wait till you meet her husband who plays her husband in the original show. That's going to be an O oh, Emily moment. Remember Bitsy. Remember Bitsy. Okay, wait. Pause for a second because uh, there's a siren passing and I don't want you to tell me anything more about Bitsy Von Mufflerdink or whatever without <laughs> the siren going away. <laughs> I don't hear a siren and all of that stays in the episode. No. <laughs> Let me live. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Okay, you were saying. Um, so Bitsy, Bitsy Von Muffling, Bitsy Von Humperdink um, tells Carrie that she should do something for, you know, herself to make her feel better, especially in these downtimes. So Carrie goes and buys tens of dozens of shoes and tries them all on and they all look great. I thought this was cute. Yeah, I loved this moment. And I think the shoes are all cute and a lot of them are like really modern, like really shoes in the now that, you know, people are like talking about and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, this feels right. This feels like good carry content. Good. And then she comes up with the classic COVID excuse, which I'll say I'm guilty. I don't think I ever lied and said I had COVID and didn't have it, but I definitely have said, oh, I've been exposed and I didn't want to go to an event. That's a good, I don't think I've ever done that to get out of something but I did use it as an excuse for not sending something as soon as I should have. Like nice. emails and stuff. I'll be like, oh, sorry, I'm catching up. You know, just I recovered from COVID, you know, like months ago. It's like, but I'll, I'll just use that as an excuse. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's great. I have done that before. I have done that before. Um, shout out to that one person. I hope you're not listening to this. Carrie, uh, Seema catches Carrie in her lie when Carrie stands her up for brunch. Mm-hmm. On the side here, Seema has a whole side plot that I kind of doesn't really make sense to me, but we got to give her something, which is that her Birkin is stolen in broad daylight. She very heroically chases after it, but the 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 thief gets away and she's heartbroken because it was like the first bag that she bought for herself when she you know, made it. And so it was a very personal item, which I relate to. I would say a lot of my clothing and, and items have a, you know, personal story to them. Um, and so she's just devastated about this, this Birkin. She does have a line, like she's talking to Carrie about it and she's in the car and she does have this line about like, oh, you know how things are nowadays. Like it's so unsafe. And I kind of braced myself a little bit of like, uh-oh, is this episode going to be like dealing into the crime wave? You know what I mean? It's like, is that where we're going? And then just like two sentences. like It's like, that's how she started the line. And then she ended the line with, but you know, maybe he just left the bag on the street and like took out all the contents, you know, how it used to be. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> we're 
both currently in a crime wave and also the crime wave today is not like the crime wave that it used to be. And she's feeling nostalgic for the old crime wave. Seema confused me a little bit with this one. Yeah, I also was like when they were having the whole discussion where Seema rightfully so, I, th- I think it's Seema who brings it up where she's like a Birkin is a is a hot market. Like people know what a Birkin is like. And it's true. I mean, to steal a Birkin is at, at least... 25k right there in that Birkin on real sale on resale especially depending on the mm-hmm. type so um uh, and and people today would absolutely know that a Birkin is valuable but they were saying like yeah back in the day people didn't know and it's like well how far back I'm not are you talking familiar enough with this topic to know of a time when Birkin bags were not known for being Birkin you know what I mean it's like it wasn't known as the like yeah. cream of the crop handbag kind of thing so I don't know what she's talking about but we even us plebeians know that if I'm going to steal your Birkin bag, lady, I'm reselling that Birkin bag. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. Or I'm at least wearing it around. Yeah, <laughs> I'm at least using it. Or you're at least going to see me in the street with right. it. Um, <laughs> but it all culminates in them going to Lisette's jewelry show. And this, I do think, is the crazy part of this episode that still makes no sense on second viewing, which is essentially Lisette has all her jewelry out and a guy just comes and shoves a bunch of it into his pockets and like 20 people and Carrie and Seema all see him do it and no one says anything. And you could argue like they're scared or whatever. But then Lisette starts screaming like that guy took my jewelry, like somebody do something. And there's just like this long empty pause of like no one doing anything while this guy is just like taking all her jewelry yeah and then carrie screams i have covid and i don't know like and it clears it like clears everybody out but like i I don't know what that was supposed to do because he just keeps taking the jewelry And and then he runs but everybody else is running too and now there's like chaos like it yeah it is very confusing and also like to to just like set the scene for a second like this for I mean, for for anyone who's who doesn't remember this scene or whatever, like this is taking place outside. This is a a jewelry display exhibition, whatever that Lisette is putting on, like in Bryant Park. So it is also already weird to just have priceless jewelry just out, like not in a case to begin with. Yeah, not in a door in like a real structure, no. especially if it's a Bulgari show, which they mention. It makes me think, shouldn't it be at the Bulgari store? Yeah, you'd think, right? You'd think. And again, like. The fact that this, the the amount of jewelry this man is able to, because especially because she reveals she hired security and security like lets him take it. Like there's just so many steps here where I'm like, why is no one intervening? And then the biggest insult of all is that they come for Carrie and they try to take one of her pieces that she's wearing. And then Seema pulls out a gun and threatens the guy with the gun and he immediately gives up and runs away. That's what makes him run away is the fact that Seema threatens him with the gun. And then the gun is one of those kind of toy prop guns that is really a lighter. It's not a real mm-hmm. gun. But like, where was that? Sorry, it wouldn't have been such an interesting, cute little arc if like Seema was taken advantage of and that guy stole her Birkin. And then this guy comes to steal Lisette's jewelry and she's like, uh-uh. And she like pulls out that gun and is a super action hero. And everyone's like, oh my God. And then she's like, it was just a lighter, like, I don't know, I have my confidence back. I don't know, something. Yeah, that, that's cute. Whatever. I, it, As opposed to this. <laughs> I know. It, it's just an absurd reaction to everything that's happening. I mean, this is the and just like that that I have seen in the past few episodes. was like reactions to things that don't I don't totally follow from Carrie screaming, I have COVID. I'm not sure what that was supposed to accomplish and why it also led to everyone screaming and running away. I think if I was outside and someone screamed, I have COVID. I would just quickly walk away from them, but I don't think I would start screaming and like knocking things over. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a classic example of the show being like, this is a funny moment. And you're like, I don't think it's funny. This girl's jewelry is being stolen. I think it was supposed to be funny. And the man going up to her also and looking her dead in the eye and saying like, yeah, give me that necklace. I'm like, so he's mugging her at this show, at this like stand at this exhibit in Bryant park. And we're, we're all just standing here. Like it is very strange. I can believe security being incompetent, but to the point of the, of that Marina's making is that this goes on for a very long time with everybody watching it happen. 
Yeah, it goes on for a very long time. And to your point, he's surrounded by jewelry. Why, why does he need to hold up two women? It's it's even more dangerous for him Absolutely. to do that. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it, and I feel bad for Lisette. I'm like, this poor girl. Like Later, Carrie goes to her apartment to comfort her, and she's just like in the bed. By the way, can I just say... She's in the bed like how my elementary school self dreamed I would one day sleep. You know what I mean? Just like beautiful robe mm. strewn artistically in the bed. Like I'm having such a hard time, yeah. but like looking when gorgeous. When you were in elementary school, you wanted to grow up to be a woman that had like nerves and was like in a consumption yes. from her like nerves. Yes. My grandpa took me to opera and he planted that idea in me mm. early that because I was kind of artistic, I would get consumption and die. <laughs> right. And uh, he thought of me that okay, way. Good. That's healthy. His whole Excellent. life. And so um, when I saw her in this bed, I it, like, I don't know, it triggered something in my lizard brain where I was like, that's what I wanted to be <laughs> like. <laughs> like. Well, that's how I Not wanted to die. <laughs> Yeah, not the distraught part, but just she looks like beautiful in this like like if someone took my livelihood from me like okay. that, I would be like in the same crusty ass t shirt mm. in bed, unkept hair, unshowered. You know mm, what I mean? Okay. She like had the glam squad. I mean, she's on a TV show, I get it, but like she's wearing a she's wearing a beautiful kind of like uh lounge yes. gown. Her hair is like curled and bouncy i was like oh god i mean delightful i love a lounge gown i love a i love a robe i'm a robe gal if anything it's like my apartment will be a sty like if i'm if i'm distraught like this my apartment will be a mess but i will be in a robe like that this would be me i would be in a robe and i will be doing face masks and a hair mask and i will be eating chocolate yeah but like eating chocolate like decadently lazy you know it's like a great Gatsby kind mm. of thing where it's like life is hard it. but it's not really hard and like <laughs> yeah you know that's what I think all women should aspire to they tell us so to true, lean Betsy. in they tell us to work hard but the bitsy mantra is I am sick I am gorgeous. I am sick I'm at my lowest all I've got is that I am incredibly hot. I want the gowns that are just slipping yes, off. Exactly. From my consumption. From, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, there's this very sweet moment though where Carrie comes to comfort her and they lay in the bed together and it's a very clear like mirroring sort of thing and I think it's very cute and it gives Carrie the courage to finish her mm -hmm. book says, to realize say, that she has a nice uh Lizette has a nice line where she says something to mirror Carrie you know she says something like I'm just my whole life's work was this and I just I'm devastated to start over and then Carrie sort of like takes that to heart and it was just a really nice moment I felt like every time they talked about grief in this episode and dealing with grief um I felt it I found it very approachable and believable and just and relatable I thought it was very touching and then we end on this very awkward Australians hit on Seema oh, and Carrie Oh, no, scene. I forgot. <laughs> I thought it ended here. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like the episode should have ended here, and they should have come up with an end just like that That fit. Well, let's get to the end just like that in a second, because that's also god-awful. But, like, episode should have just ended here. It would have been so sweet and great and nice or or ended with Carrie finishing her book excuse me right. but my point is this vibe instead like we discover earlier that Seema does find her bag because the thief did just leave the bag and take the wallet which as we established no one would ever fucking do with a Birkin but anyway she gets the bag back and so Seema and Carrie go out for drinks to congratulate themselves on Carrie finishing her book and Seema getting her bag and then these Australian guys are just like you two gals I cannot do an Australian that was accent. good. What are you talking about? It was so good uh, Popeye. You two gals. <laughs> You're looking all right. And uh, they flirt and then they combine at the communal table. And then we end on, and just like that, I got COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Which on second, I think on first viewing, I 
got like, oh, maybe they did. She, I think on first viewing, my brain said, oh, she did really get COVID from this Australian interaction, really which is calling Australians. Yeah, exactly. That was like, that's so is, funny because that's so <laughs> that would just be like, and I got COVID from these dirty Australians, which is gross. And then but then on second viewing, I was like, I think it's kind of like I, they must be referencing like, that's how I got COVID. Like, this story that we've just witnessed is, like, how she got COVID. Yeah. Either way, I hate it. There are 10,000 more. And just like that, I started over. There's so many free. And just like that, I narrated a book. I became an audio narrator. What I And just like that. Yeah. And just like that, I became a, a – yeah, exactly. Like, my, I narrated my own book. Something. I said, I got COVID. I'm like, what? From these Australian guys? <laughs> I'm like, not one of them was coughing. Also, the, like, show me one of them coughing. The fake out COVID thing I thought was going to be the plot for this episode. Like, I thought this was going to be about the hijinks that ensue from her having this lie snowball and whatever, whatever. And then it's actually a very small part of the episode. So I can completely understand why you thought it was a reference to the Australians. Because by the time she says it at the end, I've, like, forgotten that that was where we started this episode. But it it did make me excited for every episode's version of, like every episodes and just like that i'm very curious how it's going to end because like that in itself is going to be fascinating to see like what did the writers think was the fun little button of this episode like what did they think was was the main thing going on do you think they start the writing process with what the end just like that is and then they work backwards i think sometimes they do mm -hmm. I think sometimes they do. I think sometimes it's really apparent when they do. It's usually when the and just like that is clever. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. If the and just like that makes sense and is fitting, it's like maybe they got there. And then uh, if the and just like that is like really like you could hear it being followed with womp, 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 okay. womp. <laughs> Uh, they they absolutely wrote the episode to the end. And what like you're that. saying is there's literally a sound effect that's going to play for all like as an Easter egg. So if I just turn up the volume and I hear a womp, 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 that is a signal to me, the viewer. Yeah, the that viewer. They, uh, mm -hmm. that they, that's so cool that you learned that from the writer's podcast. Yeah, I will say in general, the, the, the sense I get from the writer's podcast is that Michael Patrick King... Um, has like many of us creative inspiration and he kind of like has plot points, characters, ideas, things that just come to him and he kind of writes them all down. And then he goes to his writing team and he says, okay, these things must be in the season. I see. So things like we bring back Carrie's wedding dress. So he might have maybe written a couple and just like that, that's and worked his way backwards. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like he very much is like, here's a pool of ideas. All of them must be used. Right. Okay. I can totally see that. Get the red string out, connect these yeah, thoughts. I totally see that. I can, I can absolutely see the scene where, um, Patrick Peichel King, uh, comes in and he's like, we're going to have an episode that ends with, and just like that, I got COVID. And then the whole episode is hijinks where she fakes COVID and then like hilarity ensues. All right, you got it. Cool. And then when they actually get to that episode and write it, she doesn't actually go on like COVID Ferris Bueller adventures. You know what I mean? It's like not relevant. Yeah. Anymore. Well, because there's, there's too many damn characters. So there's not enough time to like do Which this. Which is a great segue into the rest of our cast of, of fun jokers here. I was about to say because somebody else gets all the hijinks and they also get shortchanged the hijinks, which is Charlotte and LTW. Uh, we open on them at a parent teacher conference. Now, this is where I'm going to come to you for your expertise uh -oh. on Manhattan private schools, okay. which is like, is this what PTA meetings like looked at your school where your principal stood up on stage and then just talked at a bunch of moms and dads about what was happening? No. Like I, I also, it's the thing with the list. I don't really understand how that would get around. You know what I mean? If there was a P if there was some sort of conference about this and the parents were talking about it, I don't think they're going to go into like a stage and, and watch this presentation. I think they're they're all gonna get dinner <laughs> at like a nice restaurant. Yeah, it seems like, but it seems like this is like a weekly thing where like all the moms and dads come in and or the you know the PTA moms and dads come in and, and get admonished by this principal. Yeah, I know. 
<laughs> and I was like, since when ever? The PTA meeting is solely to set up that sh- sh- Miranda has connected uh, LTW to Naya for her documentary. We also learn in this very pivotal scene that there's a MILF list Mm -hmm. that a student has made. And LTW and Charlotte are very worked up about this MILF list. I thought this was fun and silly. When we talk about hijinks, I was like, this is sitcom hijinks that like, I think the way I would describe Charlotte's plots going, going on that I've seen so far is that like, I think we said last time how like she is in a different show from everybody else. Like she's in this a sitcom. It's like, she's in a sitcom that if it was on its own, I wouldn't personally, I probably wouldn't watch. I'm not that interested in this. I don't find her, inter- you know, it's like, I wouldn't tune in, but at the same time, I feel like relief when her sitcom's happening because I'm like, Oh, I know what's going on here. Silly hijinks. You know what I mean? I'm like, I've seen that show that she is in that none of the others are in. My biggest thing with Charlotte, though, they do it multiple times this season, is they give her a hijink, they build intensity, and then they just drop it. It's no payoff. And that's what happens with this MILF list. Like, the MILF list comes out, uh, LTW is number two, Charlotte's number three. They, like, lord it over the other moms at school, and then they find out, like... One of the kids wrote it, a witch kid wrote it, and then, like, the hot kid wrote it. And then they they sexualized this kid in a slow-mo, up-and-down body shot, which is very uncomfortable when you're like, this kid is definitely 14. Mm-hmm. That was the thing I was going to get to, was my big line of, like, oh, my God, this is happening. And all the w- women are randomly at school. I don't know why they're there at school again, but inexplicably, they're in the school hallway. They're all gossiping with each other about this list. And then this kid walks by who... You can tell they've casted him older to make it less uncomfortable, but that doesn't fix the problem. Like, this is an actual student. So, like, even though the actor is clearly, like, a man, <laughs> like, that yeah. doesn't actually fix the problem of this being a student who the moms are reacting to as, like, oh, it's the hot student. Someone makes a joke of, like, oh, this is a creepy list. Like, who would ever make a list about how, like, hot the moms are? It's probably some pervy kid. And then a hot guy is supposed yes. to walk by and they're all supposed to like slow motion kind of fan blowing like, oh, wow, he's so hot. I think so, someone even says like hubba bubba or something. I'm like, that's minor. Um, that's a minor that is at the school with your children. Um, this was played for laughs. This was played for laughs. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say it one more time in case anyone didn't get that. This was played for laughs. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 very uncomfortable. And again, it goes nowhere. <laughs> I'm like no, we need for this. Where's no the payoff. like like they like the, the principal says they're gonna put this on his permanent record. LTW and Charlotte like stick up for him. And then there's this like it's a, there's this whole interaction that I honestly on second view, on first viewing I didn't understand, and on second viewing I also didn't understand. And I was like, how am I not under- able to understand what's going on? It's like Charlotte and LTW. Um, defend the kid because the 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 this offense is going on his permanent records and the other moms are just like oh you're defending him because somebody got on the list and then the principal brings up this point that apparently like the moms were some moms were overheard objectifying the kid in the hallway and then the other moms look guilty but ltw and charlotte look like victorious like and then the scene just ends yeah and i'm like what has happened I need a final scene that's like, is this kid screwed over? Does he like apologize and then like slap one of them on the ass? Like, I just, I need, it needed one more scene. I was like, where did it go? It just, exactly, exactly. this, I'm constantly edging. That's my problem with Charlotte's plot is I'm constantly edging. I'm like, I need to finish. Like, let me finish. absolute blue balls of a plot once again i mean that is exactly what it is i forgot how outrageous it was until you you pointed that out like yeah the scene does just end and it is such a shame because the setup was so fun like in 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 the scene where they're all getting together to discuss what they're gonna do about this i actually really liked the goofy LTW Charlotte saying the same thing at the same time and doing a really fake job of pretending to be surprised where they defend and they're like, oh, it's because you're number two and three on the list. And they're like, what? I didn't know that. You know, like that sort of like very goofy tongue in cheek thing. I was like, I actually love this. It's goofy and silly, whatever. 
it builds up to like, okay, this is a couple beats of jokes, a couple beats of jokes, and then the punchline, the conclusion, whatever, we don't get it. I also feel they feel that this scene is so funny that it is the end. That's the other devil's advocate I can play is that they think that this scene is the topper, which (laughs) it's not, in my humble opinion. Naya. Naya does this interview with LTW. She flirts with the audio guy who gets too handsy with her. Sorry. I'm like, if an audio guy ever touched me like that, I'd be like, excuse you, hot or not hot? (laughs) Not hot. Not hot. hot. And, uh, and then she like flirts with him and then she talks about it at the brunch. Cause she's like nervous about boys. And I think that's actually a cute beat where she's like, we should be talking about heavier things and how the planet's dying. And then her phone buzzes and she's like, it's the audio guy. And they all like scream. <laughs> like, you know, like, I think that's like fun. It's just so charring when we go from to your point this kind of like fun romp land and then we turn to miranda and Chang, california and it to me this too was so jarring when we would cut between new york and la and i know they're doing that on purpose because they're trying to sell us that la is this like fantasy land but it's also just a different television show it's also another television show interrupting the television show that i'm currently watching And it's so, it's like, it's so crazy when you sit and think about the plot of this episode. It's like, Carrie re-copes with her grief of Mr. Big's passing. Miranda and Che come to Big Pass about their needs in another partner. Charlotte's on a mother's to fuck list at her kid's school. And she needs to know if she's on it. Right. Exactly. Like, what am I? Where am I? Where am I emotionally? And it's like, I understand that it is hard to thread these things sometimes to have the heavy thing and then the silly thing. But if you cannot marry them together, maybe you should be thinking about whether they should be in the same episode or not. And like commit. (laughs) Fancy that. Yeah, it's such a bummer. But I th- thank you for also mentioning before we get to Miranda. Thank you for mentioning the audio guy that like feels up Naya and she's like, "Ooh, flirty," um, because that that is a good tally. So I've I've counted two crimes that we've witnessed in this episode. <laughs> um, number one is the is the sexual harassment and and the uh, uh, borderline assault that happens there where he like grabs her boob, and then uh, secondly is the. Um, uh, the harassment of a minor, the sexual harassment of a minor. Um, so I think we're at two crimes so far, but there's room for more. So shall we more. get to LA? <laughs> for a show with a lot of lawyers in it. <laughs> I got no way with these crimes. I keep forgetting that Miranda is supposed to be a lawyer. Speaking of Miranda, Miranda and Che are having our living out marriage mm. story. Meet me yeah. while. And I don't know who Adam Driver is. <laughs> um, we are two thirds of the way through this marriage story, and I don't know which one's Adam Driver. <laughs> and I don't know which one's Adam Driver. Miranda and Che, uh, they're running lines for Che's sitcom. Um, and we are introduced to this idea that Che has this big crying pot- plot point in their sitcom episode where they're supposed to have this heart-to-heart moment with Tony Danza and uh, and cry. And that's a problem for Che. Um, Wait, also I don't know. Question. Why is Tony and Danza it, there? I thought he left. Wasn't episode two him being like, Tony, I don't want to be canceled? No, no, no. They, they changed his character to be Italian, so he oh, won't be canceled. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I'm so sorry. I forgot. There's just there's so many intricate plot points in this well-constructed <laughs> narrative. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> get them um get them um i thought i caught the show anyway, in a massive so, plot hole but how funny would that be if they like had him leave and then inexplicably he's just on the show and they don't explain that would be actually kind of baller if they just they were like you know what we don't care we're bringing him back we've hired pretty dance we're bringing episode. it back um this is an oh emily moment because they do that a couple times tony Danza. Not Tony Danza, but other characters that, (laughs) I don't want to spoil it, but other characters uh, come back from wherever 
and you're like, what? Okay. Uh, so it's not actually above them to completely write out Tony Danza and then bring Tony Danza back and forget okay. that they did that. <laughs> Excellent. Fantastic. I can't wait. So, um, Che has this big crying plot point. Miranda's being an old person with her Android phone. I, I don't know. There was just, I get that it's like a new phone because she lost her phone on the beach, blah, 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 blah. And it's an Android. And how do these Androids work? But I'm just like, something that I'll say as coming from the knowledge of the show is Miranda was the one who was always with the technology. So she was the first one to get a Palm Pilot. And she was like trying to get the girls to get a Palm Pilot. So like, it's, it's not that like- She's never been interested. Carrie was always the archaic one. Carrie refused to get a cell phone, like a Nokia cell phone. Like she refused and then like got a Nokia and like barely used it. Carrie refused to get like a good computer. Carrie refuses to get email. Like that's very much a Carrie thing is like would be would be fitting of her like not knowing phones. Miranda, like again, lawyer, working girl, like working girl, you have to be up on the tech. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You have to know how to work an Android. Okay? Yeah. Again, with the, the I like forget she's a lawyer. Not that like by being a lawyer, you automatically know how to use a phone. It's just like she really acts like she acts like 20 years older than she is in terms of how bewildered by things she is. Do you know what I mean? Like she's bewildered by things yes, she should is- definitely be used to and able to handle. It is staggering to me that Carrie and Charlotte really feel like a youthful 50 I'm saying feel I'm not talking about their appearance or anything like that I'm just saying in terms of the vibrancy that they give to the camera it's like a youthful 50 and Cynthia's like 78 yeah but whatever phones are funny and then you know what's also funny is is old people getting tattoos so funny First of all, she's not old. Let me take that back. But it feels like the show is trying to be like a hyuk hyuk, like an older person getting a tattoo. And it's like uh, people do it all the time. Yeah, it, this is a completely normal thing. I, I could understand her being like, I'm not sure if I want to get it. I'm confused. Let me call my friend. And then Carrie being like, oh, my God, and kind of judgmental because I can see Carrie being like disgusted with this. You know what I mean? It's like, but it's not an age thing. It's like a personality thing. You know what I mean? Like I could see Carrie's taste and personality being someone who kind of is a snob about that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for their age at the third. No, like that. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I don't let's 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 pull some 50 year old women. But I don't I don't think it would be this much of a deal. Big deal. But it, it is. Yeah, I don't think so. Especially for like living in New York. I would say nowadays city life like most as as we saw, excuse me, it's impossible to see virgin arms <laughs> in city life. So exactly. Um, but we see that Miranda does indeed get a little tattoo that's MH, which is Miranda Hobbs, which is her her maiden her maiden name is Hobbs. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I was gonna as like a reminder. I was gonna ask you of who she I was is. Like, the camera lingers on this, and I definitely should know what this means. But it was very funny to me because <laughs> she like pulls off the bandage for the reveal, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. I don't know. What, that's that's so not a funny. robot. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, because I guess they've never said Hobbs, and so you're you were just like M H Michael Patrick yeah. King. <laughs> it's like Michael, what's his face? Is that his, his director's self insert? I did have to go through the characters in my head. I was like, who <laughs> could this be? <laughs> but I think it's just yeah, you know. I think it's a classy. T- I mean, I think getting her. I think her getting a robot would have been more. No, offensive. that would have been, it would have looked pretty bad. But I mean. I mean, and I'm, really, in, really I bad. think it's interesting because she wanted something to like represent the self she was and to like never be again, basically, was what she was saying to the tattoo artist was like, I want this to be yeah. the person that I left behind and never going to. And that's why she wanted to be like a robot because it's like a corporate robot that works all the time and whatever, whatever. Um, so I think it's interesting that she like used her actual initials for that. Um, but we'll see how that, I don't know, we'll see how that develops, I guess. I, I think it's a nice touch. Again, some sometimes in these episodes they have these nice touches, and you're like, "Let's just stay here." <laughs> um, instead, Miranda goes to chase taping of their pilot, and she gets a frantic phone call from her son Brady, 
from Amsterdam where he's been dumped by the girlfriend and he's acting erratic and crying. And Miranda tells him, you know, book the first flight home to New York and I'm coming to New York to take care of you. Mm -hmm. Which... (laughs) My mother never. Yeah, I mean, before we get into the the cell phone hijinks that are about to ensue, uh, how did you feel about this reaction from Miranda? Was this supposed to be Miranda's going over the top, or do you think this was supposed to be normal in in the language of the show? I think Miranda also feels really bad about what she's done to their family in terms of just the disruption of, you know, breaking up with Steve and dating Che and like exploring her sexuality. So I don't actually think it's like outside of the realm of the character to drop everything and fly to New York. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is just... Again, I feel this MacGyvered scaffolding that this show puts up, which is like he has to get dumped or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's another thing where it felt fake to me. I thought, is he faking this yeah. um, to get her to come home? I think because it, it's played a little bit like a joke that it made it confusing. And that's also why I wanted to see like what your thoughts were on it, because it, it is a little hard to tell what if they're taking it seriously or not. And, and, you know, and I, I think the scaffolding is the best way to describe what's happening here is because I think that's what's going on. It's like we need to have Brady in a situation serious enough that Miranda would get on a flight and go home, but not too serious that we're actually going to have like serious repercussions from this narratively speaking. Can't right. Actually is it going to be in the hospital or something? Exactly. That's exactly how I feel. Um, but then like she is playing it like he is dying yeah. and he's playing it kind of like goofy because he's also in like fake Amsterdam which is like probably on a soundstage somewhere. I do like the fake Amsterdam is just like a street with red lights because it's like well you know there's a red light district (laughs) it's like all right it looks very comical (laughs) and like everyone's doing other typical Amsterdam things. I think that's the dissonance for me. I don't think it's against Miranda's character Mm -hmm. for her to fly to be with him. I think it's just the the tonality of the two is like what is it's very jarring um, but then Miranda has to go to the taping where classically, you know, in these sorts of things, you need to lock away your phone because they don't want to leak. And, uh, I think she does a brilliant play here, which is like, I lost my phone and I'm trying to live without it. That actually made me giggle. It is a good, it's a good lie. And then the security woman is like, hell yeah, you're in. <laughs> it's like totally buys it, which is, is funny. Um, but yeah, it's, this is another example once again of, uh, the writing or the character, I don't know exactly who to point the figure at, but like a person not behaving in logical ways. So it's like Miranda tells Brady on the phone, go to the hotel right now and call me when you get there. So that means logically Miranda's expecting a phone call soon. Yes, because she just told someone to call her when they get to the hotel. Right. And yet she sneaks her phone into this this viewing and then is surprised when she gets a phone call question mark like yeah, she just told someone to call I, her what are you surprised that you got a phone call for what were you, what was she expecting yeah it's also like it's it's the thing about me where i'm like is this just me or am i just being obnoxious about this but like i would be staring at my phone the whole taping 100 are you kidding i wouldn't because i would be waiting be in for the, the call i would first of all right, I wouldn't even exactly go the first of all you and I are reasonable people and we would have texted our partner who's in there. I'm having a family emergency. I'm so sorry. I love you. It's going to be great. I'm okay. Nobody's hurt, but I need to go take care of this thing. And then I would have been like waiting for that call. Right. Also, because like Che is not looking out into the audience to like find Miranda. Right. So it's like, if you weren't even, you could just lie and be like, it was great. Whatever. I mean, I'm just saying like, there's 10,000 things you could do. But but let's just say for the for the purpose of the plot, like you're in there, like even that doesn't work because I would be staring at my phone the whole time. Honestly, it's like, you know, what's more arguably more whatever is like her continuously trying to stare at her phone. And then a guard comes over and is like, is that a phone? Like, get the fuck out as opposed to it even calling. That is so true that this is the second time where you said something where I'm like, oh, yeah. Literally. Wait, why isn't that what it is? That makes me mad because it doesn't actually add any complication. You've just had, you come up with this way to actually simplify what's happening. 
and it makes more sense. They've overcomplicated it to the way that's making less sense. I feel like because instead what happens is like she forgets that her son is going to call because she's what so blindsided by the comedy like it's just like what is just swept up in the Danza fever swept away <laughs> that she just forgets that her son calls and then when the phone rings it takes her a full two goddamn minutes to be like oh it's my phone and it's like I can't also not to be also this person but I'm just like would a mic pick up the the phone like that I Mike might not, but if the actors can hear it, if the actors can hear it, fine. But there was there was some part about the dialogue. I think when the the main writer goes off on her, I think we could have dealt with this in a much more stealth way. Yeah. This is not the first in time general. my cell phone has gone off in one of these, things. as opposed to pantsing her and you know proverbially pantsing her in front of everyone, and then turning around and pantsing Che. Being like, they're a stand-up, so they can't act. It was so bizarre and out of pocket. It just immediately, for no reason, to turn on the main star of the show, because there's a disturbance in the audience, to turn on the main star of the show and be like, this person is garbage at their job. It's like, how did you get from A to B? What is Jay doing that's gotten you so pissed? It's like, so insane. It's just, once again... A led to D, which led to G, which led to B, which led to C. And like that is the logical, like how things develop in Miranda's plots because it was like every person reacted in an insane way. So yeah, Che for some reason gets thrown under the bus. Everyone's yelling at Miranda. It's like all hell has broken loose because she's she's, her phone's rung. It's like, but again, it's like not in a way that's like up, 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 like the cherry on the cake. It's like, it comes out of nowhere. It's so harsh so mean. and so mean. Anything that has to do with Che is mean. Yeah. And I was debating about this the other day because I saw a clip from John Mulaney and he was saying something along, I'm paraphrasing, but he was saying something along the lines of like, when, if stand-up wasn't funny, it would just be mean. It's just like a mean rant about someone or something. And I think there's truth to that. I think comedy very easily can slip into being mean about someone. But it's staggering to me how even without the comedy, because it's not like Che is making comedy about Miranda per se in this moment, but just anything that has to do with Che is mean-spirited. I feel like they're trying to say like Hollywood maybe is mean-spirited. I don't know what it is but it's just a very mean atmosphere and i don't know what they're trying to say most generous read of that would be what you're saying about the like oh it's la oh they're a comedian and they're in this they're caught up in this la thing where everyone's like kind of nasty to each other but at the same time i kind of don't want to give them that much credit especially in the same episode where we had an extended bit about like a guy smelling bad i think i'll have to see more of Che Diaz to figure out what the writers think about them, if that makes sense. Like, do the writers think of them as this allegory for like the glitz and glam of Hollywood? Do they think of them as the sort of kind of bullying character? You know, it's sort of hard to say, but I think that's a really interesting observation you've made. I feel like you've articulated something I was having trouble articulating, which is, yeah, the vibe of their scenes all the time is just like people being nasty to each other, whether that's Chet or someone else. It's just someone is just nasty all the time. And I say it for once in my life and it'll be the only time, but part of me is almost like it's a disservice to Che, I feel. Mm. Later in the season, things change for a little bit and it's actually really refreshing And it makes it even more apparent just how much mean-spirited it is surrounding Che. And I don't think Che is inherently a mean person. Like, I don't think stand-ups are inherently mean people. Uh But Mm. I wonder if they, to your point, I wonder if the writers of this show know that that is what they are continuously tapping on with this character. One thing I did want to point out, though, is when Tony Danza calms down the whole fight, I think someone off screen says, the man, the myth, the lasagna. Really? 
Yeah, somebody off like Tony Danza's like, let's all calm down. Like, hey, let's take another take. And everyone's like, yay, Tony Danza. And then someone off screen goes like, the man, the myth, the lasagna. And I was like, that is what I want on my tombstone. I was just going to say word for word, going on your gravestone, Marina. Going on my gravestone, the woman, the myth, the lasagna, That's period. So- That's the tattoo I'm getting to know myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the woman, the myth, the lasagna, right on my ass. I, I, right on my ass. So funny for so many reasons, but chiefly because it's not even referencing anything. It's aside from the fact that it's Italian. <laughs> like, there's just no reason to. It's not like they're talking about lasagna, right? Or did I miss something? No, I think it's just like Tony Danza, that guy. He's an Italian. The lasagna. I'm obsessed with that. We're making t-shirts is what we're saying. <laughs> okay. Um, but Miranda goes outside. She's shooed away. She calls Charlotte. I think they actually have a really touching friendship moment here where Charlotte's like, you should fly to your son and like, you know, really take care of this and whatever. And like, it's going to be okay. And like, you're going to be okay. And I was like, oh, and then the mean spirited train continues as Che bursts out of the taping to yell at Miranda with like a little person holding an umbrella to block the Don't sun. Don't want to sweat out that, that makeup. All I remember is Che yelling at Miranda because they're pissed. Miranda being like, sorry, I have to go to my son. Then Che being like, okay, we're even. And then Miranda being like, I don't want to, I don't want to leave on a yucky note. And Che's like, all right, have fun. And then it's over. I feel like that's all their arguments is like big, bad thing has happened mm-hmm. or not even bad thing just like big thing has happened right. that's bringing out doubt and security in their relationship right. and then it just kind of it it just in the way that charlotte's plots just kind of go boop these also just kind of go like eh, and we'll talk about it next time yeah like i think I, it's setting the seed for something i think but because they they did kind of i'm seeing I'm seeing the insecurities build in their relationship, right? So I see some sort of level of continuity here that at least I don't get with Charlotte's. But yeah, there isn't really an actual conclusion to this. We do skirt over it, which maybe that's a problem with them is that, you know, I, I don't know. But it, it seems like this con- this conflict hasn't actually been resolved. They didn't actually fix this. Um, yeah, big ick. Big ick, yeah. And then it's over. And just like that, I got COVID. <laughs> So I think we should go into our final beat always. And let's start with the negative. Emily, what is your get them of the episode? What is the thing that you were just like, get this out of here, get them mob style, um, burn it, burn them at the stake. So for my, ep- for my, for, for this episode, my get them is specifically directed at the New York city police department. And I would like them to get the parents at the school for targeting a minor and not only like ooing and aahing over this minor's apparent attractiveness, but even vocalizing it without shame and saying something, I don't even remember what it was, but along the lines of, you know, like, oh, hello, or whatever whatever they say in their little gaggle of disgustingness, that's my get them, is get them and put them in jail. They are not allowed near the school again. Um, yeah. I mean, I agree. <laughs> I would have said that would have been my get them, but I don't want to say the same thing. So to keep it short, my get them will be that weird fucking Australian oh, yeah. ending. Cool. I hate it. I'm not saying older women can't be hit on by young men or anything like that. That's fine. It just, it comes out of nowhere and I hate it. <laughs> and it goes on for so long. And then it ends with that horrific end just like that. And it just is like, you had a good closer. You had a good closer. And you're accusing the whole country of Australia for giving people COVID. Like it's just <laughs> inappropriate. And it's setting back relations decades the entire um antipodean nation get Get them them. um and then we end on a positive emily what is your release the kraken of this episode what do you want more of i mean this is this is maybe cheating because i didn't hear it the first time but i'm still reeling from the man the myth 
the lasagna. I think that's great. Like inscribe it in Mount Rushmore. Yeah. I, I, I don't I want know. Tony Danza to say, I make I it the pizza. And then this show will be five stars. <laughs> oh man, Tony Danza. What a guy. What a guy. <laughs> My release the Kraken of this episode, Bitsy Von Muffling. Oh. Bitsy Von Muffling. Okay. I, first of all, I love when old character, when they bring the old character, you know, the, the old like guest characters and things like that back from the original show. Cause like those people are stuck in six sex in the city mode. Mm. And it's incredible when they are on screen, how much life they inject into the screen. And then you're like, right. Sex in the city was a show full of life. Right. Right. Exactly. Interesting. And they just, and they, and they seem so weird. Like they seem really out of place because they're kind of dated. Yeah, yeah. But I love it. I think that it gives the show a vibrant energy. It's a nice callback. I think she says things to Carrie that are actually really touching. Mustache wax is for everyone. Mustache wax is for everyone. Thanks for listening to our selves blab on about this show. <laughs> Once again. Chapter three. And we will see you for episode four. Bye-bye.